raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle, intercepted, Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way at the 30, the 40, Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick, the heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line, Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw, one-on-one, Davis has it, touchdown, Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division. Champion Bernard fields it at the 26, heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. Heel Tough Blog Podcast. What's going on, guys? It's the Heel Tough Blog Podcast here on a Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. And it's time to talk about the Tar Heels taking on the NC State Wolfpack as uh, Carolina's traditional finish to the season. A little bit later this year in terms of the day, Carolina has been playing NC State on the final Friday of the year for uh, about... I'm trying to remember when they started that. Was it 2014? No, I think it was 2015 was the first year uh, that they started that. Um, And ever since then, actually, no, it was uh, 2016 was the first time when Carolina wore uh, the all-black uniforms at home. Uh, Of course, they did fall in that game uh, to NC State, but uh, we don't like to remember that one too much or uh, some of the other recent history that Carolina's had. We'll tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, here as we get into uh, this matchup, but Carolina Saturday night uh, on uh, ACC Network at 8 p.m. Uh, you know, good way to close the regular season. A uh, great matchup against the Wolfpack, who will be ranked coming into this matchup uh, last night on the college football playoff uh, ranking show. It was revealed they are inside of the top 25 for the first time this season. So they'll be at 22nd. Carolina, of course, Dropping out with the loss to Clemson will be unranked in this matchup. But two uh, very evenly matched teams. Uh, when I saw the line yesterday, I think it was Carolina minus two. Um, I, I would expect that that line will probably shift a little bit, probably in favor of NC State. Uh, and it'll probably be close to a pick uh, when when everything's said and done. And I think it's only fitting. I think these two teams are... Uh, very close to each other at this point, uh, eight and three, both on the season. Um, and, and I, I think, you know, for Carolina, they're 
they're heading in in the opposite direction that NC State is. So we'll see. It's a, it's a collision course of teams that um, you know will probably be uh, uh, you know for Carolina they'll they'll be rather desperate in this game, and for NC State um, uh, it's not really desperation, but it's a team that I think is starting to. Uh, feel themselves a little bit coming into their own, and rightfully so. And so uh, it'll be an inter- interesting matchup uh, in this one. Um, for the Tar Heels, you know, it's uh, it's a chance to erase a slow finish to the season just like last year uh, and keep the hopes of a double-digit uh, win season alive, which I think is kind of the bar that we've set at this point for this being a successful season. Carolina's not going to make it back to Charlotte as they stated their goals were when they were at the ACC media days. Um, But at the same time, if this team was to win double-digit games in a season, uh, it it would not be something that most uh, Tar Heel fans could be mad about. It would also mean that your star quarterback, Drake Maywall, he didn't reach the heights that we probably hoped that this program could reach with him, not really because of his own doing. Uh, still being able to get 19 career wins as a Tario quarterback would be some accomplishment for him. Uh, Carolina 2-2 two and two against NC State since Mac Brown's return, but they have ultimately lost 11 of the last 16 in the rivalry. You know, coming into this one, um, you know, I, I think, as I said, I think it's just two teams heading in, in the opposite direction. And you know, this is this is a chance for Mac Brown and his staff to show that, uh, you know, while things don't haven't looked great down the stretch of the season, uh, they can get their team motivated for this type of game because the last couple of years, not going to say Carolina hasn't been motivated, but they haven't been more motivated for this game than NC State. Uh, this is a chance for Carolina after what happened last year, which is clearly weighing heavily on the minds of players, which we'll talk about a little bit. When we go through the Tar Heel storylines, um, you know, th- that this is a group that can respond to that um, and, and show up on NC State's uh, home field and, and find a way to pull out a crucial victory. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a chance to, to, to salvage the season. And, you know, this is um, this is an important game. Um, this isn't one of the premier rivalries in college football, but here locally it matters. It matters a lot. Um, and you look at losing, you know, 11 of 16, it's not good enough. It was one of the biggest undoings of Larry Fedora's tenure as Carolina's head coach. Of course, Butch Davis never beat uh, NC State either. And for Mac Brown, a guy that started 2-0, and finds himself at 2-2 and after back-to-back really disgusting and inexcusable losses in this rivalry. And so um, Carolina's got to look to find a way to go on the road and what will be as hostile environment as they've played in all year. Um, this will be right up there with what Clemson was last week for them because for NC State, this is their Super Bowl. Um, this is the biggest game that that program plays every single year. Um, and Carolina and the struggle and the battle is, is always to get our kids to care as much as their kids care about beating them like they want to beat us. And think about it, as, as State's open about it. You hear the way Dave Doran talks about it. You go back to last year. You hear the way some of their marquee players over the years, most notably Peyton Wilson, the way that they talk about us, um, they don't they don't run from it, they don't hide from it, and so Carolina's got to find a way to bounce back from a disappointing result last week in Clemson and go on the road in a big spot and win a game to get you to nine and three, which for this program, no matter who the quarterback is, you would still deem a successful season. 
um, and, and put yourself in a position to win double-digit games. Um, and, and that's going to be the challenge, and hopefully our guys are up for it. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you, it's, I, you brought up you know, exactly what I was saying there, which is that this is a game that for NC State, I mean, every kid on that roster, they seem to care about it um, as much as any game that they've probably played in their life. And, and you're right. At times it feels like Carolina, um, you know, they, they, I mean, I don't know what it, what the difference is for some of these kids. I, I think, you know, part of it is that they, they read into the fact that, you know, it's said by mostly people in the basketball program, uh, that NC state is not our true rival. And for on the basketball side of things, oh, that's definitely true. Carolina has absolutely dominated state, and I mean, you're talking about, um, I, I mean, just uh, NC State has had absolutely no chance for the better part of the last 20, 30 years um, to compete with Carolina. Uh, that's not the case on the football side of things, though, and I think that's something that uh, you know these guys have to realize. Um, I think their quarterback does. I mean, just hearing him talk again in, in his presser on Tuesday, I mean, it was – I mean, you, you can tell that there is just the hatred that pours through, which is great. I love it because he's right there with me. I can't stand anything about the university. I can't stand their fans, can't stand their players, can't stand their boring-ass coach. Um, I mean, yeah, that that's the mindset that you want guys to take into it, and hopefully that's the mindset that Carolina is taking into this game. Well, let's talk about that boring ass coaches team that uh, is that Carolina is going to be playing on Saturday. Uh, they roll in and hate to say it, but they are playing some outstanding football. Maybe uh, some could argue the you know second best, uh, if not you know, or the third best uh, football in in the ACC so far this season, and really down the stretch. I mean, they're playing just about as good as anybody is. Uh, eight and three overall, five and two in conference. Um, offensively, team that's still not great, but a lot of that is due to some of their early season production. They're coming off a game where they just scored 35 points against Virginia Tech, uh, still averaging just 25.7 points per game, 322 yards of total offense per game, 183.9 passing yards, 140, uh, 48.3 rushing yards uh, at quarterback. They're back to Brennan Armstrong, who started the year there for the team, uh, didn't have the greatest success early in the season. Uh, and they went to MJ Morris, who took over for four games, but then decided that he wanted to redshirt and set out uh, starting last week, the rest of the season. So Brennan Armstrong has to go back in. Um, actually, it was two weeks ago that he took over. Uh, Brennan Armstrong has to go back in uh, so far this season. 1,287 yards passing, eight touchdowns, six interceptions. Uh, the biggest thing for him is his ability on the ground. Leads the team in rushing, and it's frankly not even close. Uh, 522 rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns. One of the biggest challenges that they've had so far this year, State, uh, is they just have not had a consistent presence in the backfield. Um, so much so that they have started to use wide receiver Kevin Concepcion in the backfield. He has 27 carries, 242 yards so far this season on the ground. But they also have a couple other guys they'll use. Delbert Mims, their big back, uh, averages just 2.9 yards per carry, but has seven rushing touchdowns on the season. The guy to keep an eye on, though, in that backfield that started getting things going here as the year has gone along and will probably be their guy moving forward is Kendrick Raphael. 
who averages 50 uh, or who uh, averages 4.7 yards per carry uh, and a touchdown uh, so far this season. Uh, and uh, Michael Allen, their other running back, who is over 250 yards rushing, he also will not play in this game, said earlier this week uh, that he is going to sit out the remainder of the season. Uh, definitely an interesting choice, to say the least. He will enter the transfer portal. Um, it's uh, probably not the greatest look for the NC State program that they now have two guys that are sitting out, but it won't really matter. They haven't been using him as much down the stretch. Uh, as I mentioned, Kevin Concepcion, the wide receiver, they use him in the backfield, but he's a big threat out of the slot. Uh, so far this season, just an outstanding year for him as a true freshman. 57 catches, 636 yards, and eight touchdowns. But outside of that, not a lot of production. Nobody else over 200 yards receiving so far this season for State. Uh, so, you know, they've got some guys, uh, Terrell Timmons is a guy that has 11 catches for 195 yards. That's 17.7 yards per, uh, reception. That's certainly a guy to keep an eye on, but there's not really a lot that Carolina is looking at coming into this game and saying that they are concerned about in terms of the rest of that receiver group or even that tight end group. There's no one that really stands out there. It's just focused on taking away Concepcion and making somebody else beat you. Offensive line for NC State, not nearly as good as they've been in the past, uh, but still a unit that's gotten better as the season has gone along. So Carolina's got to be prepared for that. A lot of physicality up front. Um, so, you know, Carolina's defensive line, they have to bring it. Uh, but as you would expect with State uh, over the past few years, their strength is their defense. 20.2 uh, points per game allowed. Uh, 318 yards of total offense allowed, 215.5 passing yards per game allowed, and just 102.5 rushing yards per game allowed. Really, it all starts with the linebacking crew here for this team. Uh, Peyton Wilson is about as good of a linebacker as you're going to find right now in college football. 123 total tackles this year, 15 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, two interceptions, six, six pass deflections. He does it all, uh, and he's going to be a big challenge for Carolina to block in the middle uh, of that unit. Jalen Scott also, alongside of him, having a solid year, 65 total tackles, uh, four and a half tackles for a loss for him. The defensive line, uh, still one of the uh, better groups in the ACC. Davin Van having a really strong year again, and remember, uh, coming into last uh, last year's matchup, Bam was having a solid year, really broke out in this game. So Carolina's got to have their uh, their focus on him and finding a way to take him away. Uh, so far this year, 34 total tackles, seven tackles for loss, five and a half sacks for him. Reed Hibbler uh, in the middle is another guy that's had uh, a really strong season for uh, NC State um, as well, or actually a guy that, uh, plays defensive end for them. So really, th those are their two producers uh, at the defensive end spots. Hibbler, five and a half sacks as well. Uh, and then you've got the big man in the middle for them, C.J. Clark, uh, who is also a guy that Carolina is going to have to find a way to handle after struggling to handle the defensive tackles for, uh, for, for Clemson this past weekend uh, in Death Valley. Uh, their secondary, probably the most gettable part of this team, but they do have Aiden White, who's one of the better cover corners in the ACC this season. 
um, having another tremendous year. Uh, really, it's the other guys that you're hoping to attack uh, that uh, ha- have been, you know, a little susceptible at times. Uh, as I said, allowing 215.5 yards uh, passing through the air. So hopefully, Carolina, uh, the big key, protecting up front. But uh, if Carolina can do that, then they're going to have a chance to get after this state secondary. Meanwhile, their special teams unit, always one of the better ones uh, in the ACC this year. Uh, not much different. Caden Noonstrecker, their punter, having a good year. Uh, they do have uh, some uh, strong return games. So Julian Gray, guy that's already taken one kick return back to the house. Carolina's got to be very weary of that with how poor their ki- uh, kick return coverage has been so far this year. Uh, Jalen Coyd having a good year returning punts as well. Uh, Braden uh, Narverson. Uh, as the kicker is probably the one concern. He's missed four field goals uh, so far this year, 12 of 16 overall. So uh, could be an area that Carolina um, could, could have some hope in uh, against that special teams unit. So a really sound group uh, for NC State. Look at the Tar storylines now. We'll get uh, right into those here. And, and it really starts with uh, the pressure uh, on this team to avoid a similar finish to last year. And it's it's really on so many different levels. Not only would Carolina, you know, falter down the stretch like they did against FBS opponents. Uh, if Carolina was to lose this game, that would mean they lost four of five uh, against FBS opponents to close the regular season because the win against uh, Campbell against an FCS opponent. So it doesn't really do much for you. Um but on top of that, it would be, you know, if Carolina comes out, struggles on the offensive side of the ball again and just gets bullied around, it would basically be the exact same finish that Carolina had to last year's regular season as they now get ready to head into a bowl game where they would have to win that to try to get to nine wins. Carolina wants to get to that double-digit win mark, especially for Drake May. But it'll be interesting to see how Carolina – handles the pressure in this one because as we know they have not really been a team that's been great with handling pressure especially when it comes with expectations yep and i mean this is you know we, we've talked all year long about going from good to great um this wouldn't get you to great but this could get you from good to gooder and it could be a sign of, of progress and in, in, in the season and so um, you know, Carolina's going to have their hands full with a, with an offense that knows that it's limited in terms of the talent that it has, but they know what they do and what they do well. And then defensively, this is going to be a defense that's going to look at the Clemson film from a week ago, and they're going to be ready to feast and understand that they can push Carolina around up front. Um, Peyton Wilson is just as good as the linebacker that Carolina saw last week when they were in Death Valley. Um, and this is a guy that knows how to make game-changing plays, and um, this this is this is going to be, um, I mean, a litmus test is the wrong word, but this is going to be really a, a measuring point for Mac Brown in his second time here because you know, I talk about this today at WFNZ. Like one of the things I get frustrated with when it comes to to Mac is that like if you look at what Dave Doran has endured this year with the quarterback play and all that type of stuff. He still has his team eight and three, so has a chance to go nine and three. So has a chance to win double digit uh, games. That guy, as much as we hate him, as much as we loathe him, he gets every bit out of his talent, no matter what. Um, whereas Mac Brown, on the other hand, usually underachieves with 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 with, uh, with, with more talent. And so, um, you know, this could be a, a chance for Mac Brown to kind of 
shut some people up because the back-to-back losses to NC State and the way you've lost them have been rather embarrassing. Um, if you can go on the road on Saturday night and, and win this type of game, if you're going to stick around moving forward, it will probably re, re restore some belief that Mac Brown is still the right guy in 2023 to lead the program. And so we're going to find out, I think, a lot about this team as much as uh, as much as uh, in any game so far this year, because um, I, I think the future of the program does depend on the way this game goes on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, and I would imagine they probably know that in that locker room. Um, the the main thing, and and look, I mean, I don't know if it's if if it's all on this game. I, I mean, look, if Carolina wins, it goes a long way towards helping. Uh, the future of the program, but at the same time, I mean, you know, this is this is one of those things that they have to sit down and try to figure out why Carolina fades down the stretch of seasons, um, you know, under Mac Brown because that that that's a, a trend that simply can't happen. I said it the other night. You don't you'd almost rather it happen in reverse, uh, which is what Dave Doran has has had happen at NC State. Uh, his teams always seem to get better as the year goes along, where Carolina seemed to trend in the other direction. Um, and Mac Brown and, and his staff just haven't been able to figure it out. We thought they would be able to learn from last year. And so far they haven't, but yeah, this is a chance for Mac Brown to do what he said he was going to do when he came back here. Um, you know, yeah, you, you took care of Duke. You've done that. Uh, you know, since you came back here, you've won five straight against them. That's great. But against NC state, I mean, if you, if you drop this one and now you've lost, three straight to them, um, it, it really does make you wonder where exactly you're at because that's the team more than any that you want to beat. You could say whatever you want about, oh, Duke is Carolina's true rival, whatever. When it comes to football, that is not the case. NC State is Carolina's true rival. So you should want to beat them more than anybody. Um, this is important for Mac Brown to get it done. And in terms of the players – I mean, look, they, they haven't dealt with pressure well all season long, uh, you know, especially the back half of the year. I thought, you know, early in the season when they had pressure on them, they found ways to win those types of games. Um, you know, Miami was, was probably the last time that we saw it. And then since then, it's just sort of evaporated. Uh, that game against Virginia really just changed everything. And this team uh, just has not been the same mentally since. Well, this is one of those games where, you have to be the stronger team. You have to be able to uh, fight through, you know, the issues that you're dealing with right now and find a way to come out on the other side. Because, yeah, there's no doubt that you are the more talented team on paper than this NC State team. Um, this is not a team that, that should be able to just destroy you, even though you're playing in their house. But if Carolina is not careful and their mentality is not right for this game, it could certainly happen. So you need your leadership to step up in this game. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of, you know, what this could mean for these guys, I think this is the final chance for them to prove that this year's team is really different. We were talking about that early in the year. We put it on hold here with the struggles that they have had down the stretch. If they win this game, you can say, okay, this year's team, different from last year's team. They truly were. It wasn't great. There's some there's some pitfalls that we're going to regret along the way, but it was still a team that was different than a year ago because they learned when they needed to in the final game of the regular season. If not, 
This is the same exact team as a year ago. And who really knows what Carolina does? It's going to you know, be another offseason of concern about the program and uh, concern ultimately about uh, Mac Brown and, and, and what his second stint will ultimately be remembered for. Uh, you know, another storyline in this game for Carolina is on the offensive side of the ball. They're looking to bounce back from their first real rough performance of the season. Uh, game started out pretty well. Carolina had some early success against Clemson's defense. But after that fourth drive of the game where uh, Omarion Hampton is stripped as he's going uh, into the end zone and Clemson scores a touchdown to make it 7-7, Carolina's offense, the final 11 drives of the game, was just completely out of rhythm. The passing offense was almost non-existent, just 89 passing yards in those final 11 drives. Uh, this is a big game for Carolina's offense, primarily this offensive line, to bounce back and respond. They should be motivated after what happened last year as well in this matchup, uh, where the offense simply uh, could not get going against this NC State defense. So a lot on the table for Carolina's offense as they look to bounce back uh, from their worst showing of the season. Yeah, I think they got to get back to the basics and a little bit more of what you saw at the beginning of the year running the football, and getting back to that quick passing game because State, you know, has all-conference caliber corner uh, in, in Aiden White. Um, and so, you know, he's going to be able to to limit their, their ability to attack down the field. And, and you know, there, there's a reason why the offense, even though it's been explosive, it hasn't been as efficient or as effective. It's really felt like Phil Longo's offense since the Miami game, which was boom or bust, which was you're going to hit big plays or you're not going to be able to sustain drives um, and keep your defense on the field. And so this has got to be a game where, you know, Carolina's got to bounce back up front. Um, they got to they got to protect better. They got to create better running lanes throughout the game for Amari and Hampton um, because, yeah, the big runs are nice, but when you don't score on them and then the other times you're running the ball, you're getting minimal yardage. It makes it hard to keep wanting to run the ball. Um, and I think the best way to do it is to quick passing game, get the ball out of Drake May's hands, get your playmakers in space, soften up that defense, and really set up your big your big throws down the field. And so um, I don't think Carolina fans should be expecting a a 40-point performance in this game. I think this game is going to be in the 20s, no matter if Carolina wins or loses. But what you want to look for is efficient offense, and that's got to be the recipe for Carolina to go on the road in this one. Yeah, and and look, I'm not that concerned about Amari and Hampton bouncing back. I I really think he'll be fine. It's really can the offensive line do their job up front because yeah. that was the biggest downfall of of this group a year ago in this game uh, was that the offensive line. I mean, you could argue the offensive line in this game was worse than it was in the ACC championship game against Clemson, and, that, and that's really saying something. Um, I mean, Drake May had absolutely no time a year ago. Carolina could not run the ball. Now, Amorian Hampton, you know, is much better than Elijah Green, who was back there last year. Nothing against Elijah Green. You're just talking about one of the elite running backs in all of college football. Carolina's got to stick with the run in this game, too. They can't bail on it uh, and, and just rely on the passing game because that's, you know, that's not – the strength of this team right now. I mean, look, it's it's certainly not a weakness, uh, especially, you know, with Drake May and, and Tez Walker and 
Bryson Nesbitt out there. But at the same time, I mean, this is a team right now that goes through their running game first. That's really what generates this offense, gets it going. It's the, And, uh, you know, we saw it last week, you know, when Carolina's offense was at its best, it's when the running game was going early on. Uh, once that, you know, Clemson was able uh, to really bog down the running game for Carolina, the offense stalled because they were able to just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. That's going to be NC State's game plan in this one. So it's on that offensive line to find a way to win up front on rundowns and clear some running lanes for Amari and Hampton to get through because that's going to open up everything else. I like what you said about the quick passing game. I'd like to see them get back to that. Now, the thing is, the quick passing game does not mean that we're just going to use bubble screens the entire time because Carolina, thats that was a part of Carolina's game plan uh, at times throughout the year, and it didn't really do anything for Carolina. Uh, you could still throw it in there occasionally because it's an extension of your running game, but you don't want to do it too often. It's more about some of those routes over the middle uh, just trying to get guys freed up in the middle of the field. Uh, I think if they can do that, it's going to open up the deeper passing game, which is where Carolina is going to want to hit this NC State team, especially with a guy like Tez Walker. We've seen it from Bryson Nesbitt in the middle of the field at times this year. So that's really the key for Carolina. Just get your offense rolling because if you can, even though you're going to have moments where it's things are going to get bogged down a little bit like they did against Clemson, you should be able to find a way to move the field a little bit more efficiently than you did uh, a week ago against uh, Clemson. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing on the other side of the ball for Carolina uh, is can they this worn-out defense hold their own against an improving NC State offense? NC State's offense is coming in uh, to the month of November. This was a group that you know, Carolina probably matched up pretty favorably with. Yeah, Carolina's defense was starting to show signs of falling apart. But at the same time, NC State came into the month with one of the worst offenses in the entire country. Well, they've started to show improvement. It started under MJ Morris and now has sort of continued as they've transitioned back to Brennan Armstrong. The biggest thing in this game is going to be Carolina's run defense. Can they find a way to slow down Brennan Armstrong, who is having a tremendous year on the ground. Uh, they're you know, going to throw the running back or, or the wide receiver, Kevin Concepcion, into the backfield along with Kendrick Raphael. So Carolina's got to be prepared. This is not the greatest running team that you're going to, uh, that, that you've seen so far this season. Uh, the numbers earlier in the season were even worse, believe it or not, than they are now. Uh, but this is going to be a test for Carolina, who is worn out really all over this defense uh, and, you know, will only get more worn out by an extremely physical NC State team if they're not careful. Yeah, I mean, this has got to be a game where literally, and I know it's a tough team to ask because of how much some of Carolina's best players have played. You got to leave it all on the all, all, all in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say this again when it comes to Gene Chizik, if we're going to lose, let's lose being aggressive. Let's not sit back and let Brennan Armstrong get confident get in a rhythm and then start picking you apart. You know, let's 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 put pressure on him because if you do, I think he's going to make mistakes and you can force turnovers or at least get off the field more often than not. And so um I think guys like Cayman Rucker, Sed Gray, Power Eccles, 
these guys are going to be motivated to go out there and play and play at a really high level, but they got to be put in a position to, to be successful. Then they got to make the plays. Um, there were some disappointing plays that Carolina didn't make last week. And a lot of it was just the fact that they are so give out and they're so worn down and beaten down. But at the end of the day, it's, it's just an excuse. Like you're there to make the play. So you just gotta, you just gotta finish. And, um, I, I'd like to see the defensive line effort that we saw the first month and a half of the season really come back and emerge in this game and make it a long day for Brennan Armstrong, but we're going to have to wait and see. But, um, the biggest thing for me is I want to see this team play with some confidence and play with an aggressive nature. Cause when they did that to start the year, the defense was, the defense was good enough to win on Saturdays. And, and that's what you're asking for. We're not asking for you to pitch a shutout. We're not asking you to do, you know, things that Georgia, Ohio State, Bama are doing defensively. We're just asking you to be average. And if they can be average on Saturday night, I think Carolina's got a chance. Yeah. And and look, the fatigue factor is 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 real. I know, you know, you said it, it's an excuse there, but I mean, look, Carolina, I mean, and this is this is on the coaching staff, man. It, it really is. Uh Greg Barnes tweeted this out uh on Tuesday. Carolina has three defensive players who rank in the top 10 in power five for snaps played and five in the top 26 California, the only other team in the country that has more than two with three Cedric gray, Marcus Allen, power Eccles rank one, two, three in the ACC and snaps played came in Rucker is fifth. Elijah Huzzy is seventh. So, I mean, Carolina, like it, they, they played these guys so much that, these guys are are just simply worn worn down. Uh, I mean, as much as any players in college football, and it's it's something that this staff has to seriously look at. Um, Gene Shizik just you know gave some some just pass over answer uh, the other day in the press conference where he basically said we just have to be better at that. And it's like, come on, man, quit saying that. You guys say that all the time. The amount of times, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of the guys I follow on Twitter, uh, Andrew Forrest pointed this out. How many times are we going to see that where, uh, the phrasing is from, you know, someone on this coaching staff, we have to do a better job at some point. You actually have to do what you're saying. Um, this is not going to be one of those games where you can really afford to do that, but you're really just hoping that these guys have enough left in the tank. And, and as you said, you know, the, the message to those guys, and I don't think any of those guys are going to do, do it differently. Uh, Elijah Huzzy will have to see if he's going to play in this game. As I mentioned, uh, when we recap the game, you know, Carolina, they, they held their press conference on Monday. They did not provide any update on him, and he missed the majority of the game. Uh, against uh, Clemson after he went down with an injury, did not return. Uh, DJ Jones had to take over a nickel corner. Um, so who knows if he's even going to be able to play in this game. That'd be a huge loss for Carolina, especially going up against uh, Kevin Concepcion. So, uh, but the other guys, I don't question that they're going to leave it all out on the field. Um, it's just, you know, do they have enough for Carolina's defense to be able to find a way to get the requisite stops they need in order for this team to pull off uh, the victory at NC State uh, in that hostile environment. Um, you know, and, uh, another storyline really centers around Drake May himself. 
He talked to the media on Tuesday. Um, you know, they asked him about uh, his future again, and he kind of just said, "Look, that's something that you have to wait. That, that I'm waiting until after the regular season to make a decision on." He did say, though, uh, that as of right now, he plans to play in the bowl game. Um, I say as of right now. That wasn't his phrasing. He says he, he does did say I plan to play in the bowl game. Um, but I, I think it's one of the it's a decision that probably hinges on what happens in this game. I think if Carolina wins this game, then he probably is going to play in the bowl game. He probably wants to try to get this program to 10 wins. If not, um, it makes it an interesting case that it would be a loss to NC State at the end. Uh, does that you know serve as motivation for him to then play in one more game? potentially win even if you don't win and you lose that one too at least it's not to nc state i mean he is as we've said as much of a tar heel kid as we've seen uh this dude grew up a tar heel you can tell that uh, he absolutely hates nc state um and for good reason um and i i do wonder if that could play a factor but i think at that point you know with there not being the double digit win component on the table for him you really wonder if some of the people that will be in his camp for the NFL draft will tell him it's not smart for you to play in this bowl game. You need to go ahead and sit out. So this is one of those games. We've talked about the direction of the program. We've talked about what it could mean for Mac Brown. But in terms of what it could mean for Drake May at Carolina uh, in terms of if this is his final game or not, feels like this game could go a long way towards determining that. Yeah, I mean, Drake's got to say all the right things um, and say that as of right now, he's planning on playing in the bowl game. Um, I know it's a hard thing for for many Carolina fans to hear. No matter what happens, this is probably his final game, and it should be, um, just because Carolina's not playing in a New Year's Six bowl game. And I know that on the surface, a double-digit win season would mean a lot to him. Um, but you know, we talk about it now in the, in the modern era of the sport where really the only bowl games that matter are new year's six bowl games for a program. That's going to be as Mac Brown basically alluded to on Monday is going to be decimated by transfer portal entries. Anyway, once the season does come to an end and you got to find your, your, your next guy at quarterback, the bowl game's the best chance to figure out if Connor Harrell is going to be the guy. And so as much as it'd be hard to tell Drake, we don't want you to play, you could advise him and say there's not, you know, you, it's not worth you putting your body on the line. And for us moving forward, we got to find your next, we got to find your replacement. Um, and the best way to evaluate Connor Harrell would be against a, what would still going to be a very good opponent. And if he looks the part, maybe Caroline doesn't go portally. But if he plays a full game and you get, you know, 15 practices with him being the lead guy in a 60-minute game and he struggles, that makes that decision all the more easier for Mac Brown. And so it's a double-edged sword because, you know, Sam Howell played in his final game. But I also think there was a more – that decision was tougher for Sam because I think there was a greater chance that Sam came back than there was for Drake. And and you look at how long it took Sam to announce that he was leaving. I think there was a, a thought for him in his mind that maybe he would come back and, and play one more year. It's not the case for Drake May. This guy's going to be a top two pick in the NFL draft next year. He's not coming back to Carolina. So no matter what happens on Saturday, Carolina fans should should be open to the idea and embrace the fact this is probably his last game as a Tar Heel. Well, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say you need to be open to the idea. I just, to me, I mean, he's a guy that 
seems like, I mean, and it means so much for him to play at Carolina. Um, you know, he's a guy that could have left in the offseason. He had offers all throughout the country. And, you know, yeah, you could say that part of it is that Carolina definitely came through with some money in NIL. And I'm sure that's definitely part of it. But the other thing is, is that he, he's a guy that, you know, if you believe him or not, he did not take any calls because he really did want to be at Carolina. This is the place that he grew up. Um, you got to think he, he told, you know, the story before the South Carolina game of him going down and watching uh, the Tar Heels play uh, in Columbia back in 2013. Um, there's so many other instances that he brings up of him going to games with his dad. Um, so, I, I mean, it's it, it. I think on that level, it is even different for him than it, is, than it was for Sam. Um, where, you know, Sam, I think, grew into the connection with Carolina. This is a dude that was born into it. So, of course, he's going to want to go out, given this university his all. So, I think there's certainly the case, and that's why I brought it up. I think if they win this game, there's a chance that he plays because he wants to get them to that double-digit win plateau. But if not, I mean, yeah, this could be the way that you send out your quarterback. And that's one of the things that I think this team – itself has to take on some of the other leaders on this team and just you know every guy on that team uh, as a whole needs to realize that this could be the final game of Drake May here do we want to send out our program's greatest quarterback with a loss to NC State that needs to be weighing on their minds heavily that needs to be something that they play for in this game and you know there's plenty of other guys as well that are going to be playing their final game Cedric Gray's already uh, said that this will be his final game with his decision to play in the Senior Bowl. Um, you don't, you never know. This could be Tez Walker's final game at, at Carolina. So there's a lot of different guys that Carolina uh, that these players should be able to rally around. The key one being their quarterback Drake May. And you know the last thing is is that you know players mentioned this on Tuesday. Uh, that the you know flag planting at midfield from last year, where the NC State players planted their flag uh, in the logo, or uh, you know as as much as you can with field turf, um, you know they mentioned that it's disrespectful. Drake brought it up. Um, he said that it's disrespectful to do that in someone's house. Um, I meant to pull the cut, but I don't have it with me. Uh, Cayman Rucker basically compared it to you going into somebody else's living room pulling down your pants and just taking a big old dump right in the middle of their uh, right, right in the middle of the house. Um, you know, very interesting way of putting it there came in. Uh, but uh, I lo- love it. Uh, love the fact that uh, you're, you're, you, you're using it as, as something to motivate you guys. But the thing is, is, is it going to serve as enough fuel for this team on top of everything else uh, to to sort of spark something else in this team. They seem like, again, it, it goes back to what we've talked about with a lot of the coaches. It seems like the way they talk about it, they do feel like this is something that, um, you know, they, 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 they can fuel themselves off of. Uh, they feel disrespected and everything like that. But now it's about actually showing that extra motivation on the field. You know, look, they – they shouldn't need any extra motivation as it is. Like you're talking about back-to-back losses in embarrassing fashion. You're talking about you lose this game, you lose four of six down the stretch. So that should just be like added on top of it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to lose three straight. You don't want to have another narrative, the the narrative that's existed around this program for 40 years 
basically to continue. And so, um, you know, that, 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 that should just add to the motivation. Like, like if you, I say this all the time in rivalry games, if you can't get up for this game, you should, you shouldn't play. Like you shouldn't need any extra motivation to get up and beat an opponent that exists to hate you. Um, if you need any extra motivation to go out there and play as hard as you can, you're not, you're not the competitor that, that you probably proclaim to be. And you, that's not the type of guys that I want on my team. And so this would just be another layer of the the motivation um, this team is going to be be playing with on Saturday, um, and, and hopefully that's enough to make the game mean as much to them as the game means to state. Because when you look at it, that's really why Carolina gets beat in this in this rivalry more often than not is that NC State plays with more fire, they play with more emotion. And it's evident by the way that Dave Doran coaches in this game and the way that his players play in this game. And so uh, Mac Brown openly talks about how important this game is, but you got to prepare your guys Monday through Friday for this to be an important game and then demonstrate that on Saturday. Um, and hopefully your guys respond to it and Carolina can find a way to, to quit losing to the pack. Yeah, this is, this is exactly the same thing as what NC State used last year with the Drake May comment before the season. That that was, you know, they used that as a little bit of extra motivation, a little bit of uh, added fuel to the fire, and that's what Carolina needs in this one. Um, you know, they said, look, we, you know, Drake said we, we want to go and do the same thing on their field, return the favor to them uh, after what they did to us last year. And, and, and that's what it needs to be is just a little bit of added fuel because everything else that you said is, is 100% right. Like this is a group that should be motivated to really just want, you know, stop the bleeding here at the end of the season, uh, to beat a rival that has owned you for uh, the last decade and a half, um, you know, and, and, and go out with a chance to win double digit games, uh, you know, for the first time since 2015, those should all be motivating factors for these guys. Um, And, you know, I, I, again, I, I think, it really comes down to the leadership on this team. I think you're seeing some of the guys that are coming out and saying that this serves as that as, as some fuel. Um, and I would imagine that they also feel like, you know, in, in that room, they want to avoid, you know, falling apart like they did completely last year. Um, so I, I think this this can only help is really uh, what, what I think. And the fact that it's being brought up shows you that it's something that is weighing on their minds, which is, you know, a little bit of a positive thing going in for Carolina. Let's get to our keys to the game. Um, but I think number one, uh, and this was brought up by Drake as well, is getting off to a fast start. Look, Carolina had the opportunity to get off to a fast start against Clemson. It was right there for them and they just weren't able to do it. This is a game that is very similar because as you mentioned, this will be the most hostile environment that Carolina will go into. May not be the loudest environment that Carolina goes into, but in terms of hostility, um, just you know the consistent you know noise and everything like that, this has a chance to be one of the toughest games that you uh, will play in, in a while because this NC State team is feeling it. They too have a chance to win double-digit games for just the third time in their uh, in their program's history, which is just shows you how pathetic their program is overall. Um, but I, 
I mean, they're going to be motivated in this game. Their fan base is going to be loud. You know that it's always going to be uh, incredibly hostile. You're going to get stuff yelled at you that you've never heard yelled at you at any other place before in your entire life. So Carolina, the best way to sort of eliminate that is get off to a fast start. If Carolina can race out to an early lead, that could take that crowd out of the game and, you know, Carolina is a team that, as we saw the other night against Clemson, not built to battle from behind. They haven't had to face that the majority of the season. Um, luckily, they've been a team that uh, has been able to, you know, get out to quicker starts more often than not. And they need to find a way to do it on the road in this game against NC State. Yeah, and the best way to do it is to not fumble the ball twice inside the five-yard line um, and, and make sure when you get down there, you're, you're converting on those opportunities. But as much as it's, it's, as it's an offensive key, it's also a defensive key. And Carolina, when you, when you look at their three losses, the only one that they got punched in the mouth right out of the gate was the Virginia loss. Like you, you held your own in the first quarter against Georgia Tech. You held your own in the first quarter last week against Clemson. It was a Virginia loss where they they walked the ball right down the field, and it was the first real telltale sign that it was going to be one of those nights. And so, um, and, and, and um, I think this is a game where I think if you get the chance to win the coin toss, you maybe want the ball and just go ahead and set the tone and and send a message right away. Because if you put the defense out there first and NC State walks right down the field and gets some sort of points, we could be in for a long night. And so as much as this is a big key, uh, offensive key, it's equally as important defensively for Carolina to come out, not let Brennan Armstrong on that offense get some rhythm and get some confidence. Uh, the second key to the game is to remain disciplined. Carolina, early in the season, we talked about it. Carolina was a much more disciplined team. There was a lot of things to like about how they had improved in that area from a year ago. And we really thought that the Tar Heels had turned a corner. But then that Miami game happens. And since then, Carolina has just been one of the most penalized teams in all of college football. And it has weighed heavily on Carolina. Uh, I thought, you know, th th this you know, last week wasn't a game where ultimately penalties ended up costing Carolina. Um, it doesn't feel like they've had any of those games so far this year, so it only makes sense that that could crop up in this game. Carolina averaging 6.9 penalties per game, 63.9 yard, uh, penalty yards per game. Uh, so it's just been a complete collapse since then. NC State, on the other hand, just 5.8 penalties per game, 47.4 uh, penalty yards per game which isn't great, but it is middle of the country while Carolina uh, is in uh, the bottom half uh, of the country, bottom third of the country at this point, tied for 108 uh, overall. So this is a crucial game for Carolina to remain disciplined. Things are going to get chippy. We talk about this just about every year with this rivalry. Carolina cannot shoot themselves in the foot with stupid penalties uh, that you know could allow NC State to keep drives alive or on the offensive side of the football, those procedure penalties that did hurt Carolina uh, against Clemson. Can't let those crop up and slow down this offense. Yeah, I mean, you said they haven't had a game there. It cost them. Carolina's offensive line committed six penalties last week. I mean, it may not have cost them, but it definitely played a, a role. You can't go on the road in this, in, in this conference, commit six penalties by a position group, and expect to win. Can't mm -hmm. happen. 
Um, you're not, we're not good enough to overcome those types of mental errors. And so um, to me, this is something that hasn't been coached out of them because I think you can coach discipline to college kids. Um, whereas like in the, the pros are, they're playing for a paycheck. So, you know, the, 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 there's, there's a different way to, to, to coach that, that type of discipline. Um, and yeah, this is, I mean, cause look, state's going to want to rough it up. They're, they're going to want to get underneath your chin. You got to be able to keep your cool. Um, and it's a rivalry game. So you got to be prepared to not for some calls to not go your way or to not get calls because officials typically will let these two teams play. And so even if you're not getting calls, you can't, you know, get an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty because you're complaining or you do something late after the whistle or anything like that. And so this is going to be um, a great game of Carolina's resolve. If they can limit the penalties um, and, and not, you know, c- commit penalties at crucial times, I do think that when it's all said and done, when we get to that fourth quarter, they'll have a chance to win. The final key to the game is for Carolina to win the rushing battle. Greg Barnes of Inside Carolina again with another great tweet, as he always seems to do uh, earlier today, earlier on Tuesday, rather. Uh, the team uh, that has rushed for the most yards between Carolina and State has won the last twenty six. Has won twenty six of the last thirty one. Uh, meetings in the rivalry. So Carolina's run game, look, it's been a strength for Carolina the entire season. As I mentioned, Amari and Hampton, one of the best running backs in the entire country, was named in a Doak Walker Award semifinalist on Tuesday. Well, they need him to look the part of that in this game. They need mainly the offensive line to show up and create some sort of holes for him up front to run through more consistently than they did against a Clemson defensive front that probably has a little bit more talent, but, uh, you know, plays with a similar similar type of physicality that NC State is going to play with. And on the other side, Carolina's got to find a way to slow down Brennan Armstrong. Carolina's uh, defensive line, you know, so far this year has not gotten much push up front. That was their big issue last week against Clemson. Uh, and it's a reason why these linebackers are so worn out. Yeah, they're playing a lot of snaps, but they're back to where they were last year of having to make every single play in the run game. Your, your safeties have to be uh, very aggressive as well. I thought Stick Lane did a really good job of that uh, on Saturday night, and hopefully he plays a lot in this game for Carolina. But really, you, you have to find a way uh, to win up front. Um, and if Carolina can find a way to win the, uh, the the running game battle, then they have a really good chance to win this football game. Yep, and, and I, I think we talked about it earlier. You should still have confidence in Amarian Hampton to give him the ball 20, 25, 30 times if need, if need be because if, if Drake May has to sit back and throw it 35, 40, 45 times, I think that it doesn't spell disaster because of how good the quarterback is. But I, I don't think that's a winning recipe. I think this has got to be a game where Drake's passing numbers are, are – or his pass attempts are down, kind of like they were at the beginning of the year where, you know, Chip Lindsey took the ball out of his hands because it was what's best for his offense. And so, um, you know, you'll look at the box score last year or last week and say, man, Carolina ran the ball really great. Well, they didn't. You had really like three big runs that really led to that rushing total. Outside of that, you couldn't – you couldn't consistently run the ball. That's got to be different. You've got to be able to run the ball this week um, consistently and understand that those two to three yard gains that are going to get in the first half, you hope turn into six, seven, eight yard gains 
in the second half. And so as it is every week, uh, the, the line of scrimmage as important. It's extra important in rivalry games, and whichever team can establish the line of scrimmage and run the ball whenever they want to, I think will put themselves in the best position to win the game. All right, it's time to make our predictions. What do you see happening Saturday night in Raleigh to close out the regular season? This is a tough one. This is, I think, as as evenly matched these two teams have been since Mac Brown came back. Um, and I know, I think when they played during the COVID year, I think NC State may have been ranked, but it was a weird year where um, teams were ranked because you know, two conferences weren't playing. Um, you know, you go back two years ago, Carolina's preseason number 10 on the road, but they're six and five and they blow a nine point lead in like two and a half minutes. Last year, you're at home against a four string quarterback. None of that matters. State wins both of those games. Um, I think it's going to be tough. I think this won't be a pretty performance by any means. Um, I think this game comes down to quarterback play and the guy that will be wearing Carolina blues a little bit better than the guy wearing uh, that cherry red of NC State. Give me Carolina on the road, 24-23 over the Wolfpack. Mm, that would be some performance from this defense. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is going to be uh, one of the classic battles between these two teams. I think it's going to be very similar to what we've seen the last couple of years. Uh, it could come down to special teams, ultimately, uh, for both of these sides. I think – um, you know, Carolina, this is a game where, uh, you know, if they can run the football <laughs> successfully, then I think they've got a really good chance to win this game. I feel more confident in that group uh, to be able to do that than I did a year ago. Um, I'm with you. I think Amari and Hampton bounces back in this game. I really don't have any concerns for me with him. That's one of those games you throw out the tape for him. You just worry about moving forward because you don't expect that's going to happen with him often. You know, I think the key is, you know, Carolina, if they use that run game, open up the deep passing game. I mean, NC State is a really good defensive team. But look, Carolina was able to move the ball early in the game against Clemson. I truly believe if Carolina scores on those early opportunities, that game probably looks much different. I'm not saying Carolina puts up 500, 600 yards of total offense, but I don't know if Carolina's offense sputters the way that it does uh, after those first four drives of the game. I think this will be, uh, you know, a much more even performance from Carolina. I think the offense will be motivated to bounce back from last week. And I think this defense, as worn out as they are, I really do think that this defense uh, is motivated to prove that uh, th this is a team that can find a way to get some stops against their rival. Um, they haven't been great down the, down the stretch of the season. Not saying that this could save Gene Shizik's job. That's a conversation that they need to have regardless. But this is one of those games where if you show up and you perform well, people are not going to forget about what happened you know, down the stretch of the season. But it would certainly put a, a much better spin on it uh, if you could find a way to shut down NC State, an offense that is improving as the season has gone along. Uh, and get a big rivalry victory. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I think it could come down to special teams. I trust Noah Burnett more than I trusted him last year at this time. He could be the guy that uh, Carolina has to rely on in this game. I think he might be at the end of the game. I think Carolina finds a way to win it 27-24 on the road against NC State, thanks to a Noah Burnett field goal powered by 
a Drake May drive down the field at the end of the game. I think that would be the perfect way for Carolina to send out Drake May if that is, in fact, his last game, uh, even if it's not a great way to send him out against NC State. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast, guys. Hey, make sure you head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We'll have the uh, preview up there for you guys. That one will go up on Friday like it normally does podcast. A little bit early here for you guys uh, because we wanted to get you know this out to you before the holiday weekend, allow you to maybe have something to listen to, uh, whether it's on the drive to wherever you're going for Thanksgiving or uh, on the drive back. Uh, on Friday. Uh, plenty of time to listen to this one, so we wanted to make sure to get that out there. But the article will be up Friday, in-depth look at Carolina versus NC State. Uh, also, make sure that uh, you guys are checking out the article that we have up there about Drake's future. Uh, went a little more in-depth on what he said yesterday, so make sure that you guys uh, check that out as well. Um, and then, of course, once uh, Carolina's game uh, is over against State, we'll have everything for you with a recap uh, we'll have one final stock report that you guys can check out. Make sure you check out this week's as well. That'll be up uh, or that went up earlier today. Uh, and then uh, also uh, we will have, uh, you know, all the coverage of the bowl season. Uh, you know, where is Carolina expected to go? We'll have uh, that article uh, as all the experts starts making their predictions. Uh, ultimately, we'll tell you where Carolina is headed. Uh, and then, of course, we'll take you through any of the portal chaos that'll be happening. That's going to happen pretty fast uh, after things wrap up on uh, Saturday against NC State. You'll start seeing some of those guys go public, and we'll have you covered on that front as well. Uh, meanwhile, on the basketball side of things, we are in uh, the middle of the uh, battle for Atlantis. Carolina just tipped off the battle for Atlantis with their game against Northern Iowa. Make sure you go uh, and read that recap on the website right now for you guys. Uh, and also, uh, we'll have uh, the preview for uh, Carolina's upcoming game as well, and we'll have that throughout the entire tournament. I'm taking you through uh, things uh, on the website along with Josh. Uh, same thing on the podcast. A little bit hectic and crazy, Josh is heading to Dallas for uh, Thanksgiving. He's going to get to enjoy to wa watching his Cowboys as they take on Sam Howell, former Tar Heel, and the Washington Commanders. Uh, so uh, he's going to be doing that, uh, but juggling everything, still going to catch every game, everything like that. Uh, but I will be doing uh, some solo podcasts for you guys, uh, writing some stuff on the website while uh, you know he will uh, sprinkle in what he can as well. So make sure you check out all the coverage that we have of that on the website uh, and on the podcast feed, HeelToughBlog.com and wherever you get your podcast. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tories. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.